Well, that piano hasn't played that hard in a long time. <laughs> Glad that Mana was here. Her mother's here. Her mother's from Beirut. We're glad that they're here visiting with us today. Happy Sabbath. Are you awake? Told you last week we're going to begin to look at preparing for the time of trouble. Why do I want to do that? Well, those of us who have been in the Adventist church for a long time are very familiar with the term, the time of trouble. It's mentioned in the prophecy of Daniel. If you want to look at Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Exciting times. I've found in the 30 years of my ministry that there are two large groups within our denomination when they hear this word, the time of trouble. There's one that they just focus on the time of trouble. It bothers them. They begin to question, how are we going to get through that time? It's going to be terrible. The second group, they want to focus on the words written in the book of life. They're saying, Ooh, I wonder if my name is there or am I going to be lost? And they worry about those things. In reality, the focus of the attention on this verse should be the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. We shouldn't worry about the time of trouble. We shouldn't worry about our, our names written in the book of life. We shouldn't worry at all because we've got the great prince who's Jesus. Who's going to stand watch. Which means he's going to be right there with us. This is a promise that should bring to us great comfort. Yes, there will be a great time of trouble that has never been experienced on this earth. But Jesus, the great prince, will stand watch over us. And my eternal salvation has always been under the control of Jesus Christ. Are there things that we can do to prepare for this time of trouble? Well, let's, let's go to scripture first. Proverbs 22 and verse 3. Proverbs 22, verse 3. It says, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Another translation reads this way. It says, A prudent person foresees the danger ahead and takes precautions. And the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. That word prudent really means wise. So we need to be wise. There are some things that we can do. There are some things that are out of our control. And so we have to put it in the hands of the great prince who's going to be watching over us. 
Let's look in the book of Amos. Amos chapter 3 and verse 7. Amos 3 verse 7. So surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So whatever is needed for my preparation for this time of trouble, it's going to be revealed in prophecy. of What maybe I should do in preparing for myself. And then if there's something that's not there, then the Lord Jesus is going to take care of that. But I've got to have faith in Him. We all kind of need to be on the same page just to make sure that uh, we kind of understand what's going to happen. So let's kind of take a look today at the events that's listed in the Bible that will take place. Okay? Let's, let's start with a line. That's a good thing to start with, isn't it? A timeline. And for the sake of simplicity, we're going to say the far left side of this timeline is where we are today in this church. Okay? We know that Jesus has promised that someday he's going to return. We don't know the day or the hour. So we can't fill in this timeline and say it's going to be on such and such a date at such and such a time. We can't do that. But we can be for certain he hasn't come yet. All right? So sometime in the future he's going to come. So let's just kind of put that on the right hand side. The second coming. It is coming up there, isn't it? Okay. Okay. It could be a hundred years from now. I hope not. Could be next week. You ever thought of that? But we can be sure that it's going to happen because the Bible says that He's going to come. Jesus Himself promised that He has gone to prepare a place for us. And then He's going to come again. And He's going to take us to that place. Man, that's a wonderful promise. So that's His plan. So now let's take a look at the words of Jesus, because they are true, for another mark that we can place on our timeline. Let's go to Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, so that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. So really what it's saying here, that all these things are going to happen, and they're happening now in very rapid sequence on this earth today. So let's just kind of put these things on our timeline a little bit and say that, that these natural disasters, these things that are happening, are happening now in our time and will continue to happen as well too. Coming closer and to, closer together, because he says it's going to be like birth pains. When you have those contractions, they come closer and closer together. In the book, Country Living, Ellen White suggests that families in her day should begin the process of moving out of the cities and into the country. Especially those who have children. So that these children can be raised in a wholesome Christian environment 
without the distractions of the city. We know what the distractions of the city are. She also suggests that we should begin to learn to garden. I didn't hear an amen on that. Sounds like work, doesn't it? The reason why we need to learn to begin the garden is to learn how to raise our provisions. We should learn not to be dependent upon the world for food and supplies. Because the day's coming with all these disasters. We're not going to get it. It used to be that the United States was the world producer of all food groups and the rest of the world was dependent upon it. It's no longer that way. If a huge famine was to hit this world, there's not enough food to feed everybody. So where are we going to get it? We already see what happens when a natural disaster, and we're going to be seeing those, hits. Just before it hits, in less than three days, the food supply is wiped out. And you can't get it. So she suggests that, that if at all possible, we should learn to garden. To begin to not be relying totally upon the world to supply our needs. Because the day is coming where we're going to run out. I'm going to look more as we come, but we're looking at these things that are happening within us and we're to go out into the country and we are to raise our provisions. We're seeing a lot of wars, seeing a lot of disasters, seeing a lot of things that are happening. Let's go to Matthew 24 again and read verses 15 through 18. Matthew 24, 15 through 18. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Now, Jesus is saying these words. Standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to where? To the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field, come on, not go back to get his clothes. Kind of a strange thing, isn't it? I wonder what he's talking about. Well, if we go to the Gospel of Luke, there's more information that Jesus adds. Luke 21, verses 20 and 21. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart and let not those who are in the country enter her. So Jesus is giving an example. It is kind of a mini prophecy to help us to understand the big prophecy when it comes to the time of trouble. And what Jesus is saying is that something's going to happen and his people are not to linger and to pack to leave. They are to get out of the city immediately and those who are already in the country should not enter the city. So let's see what Ellen White says. 
Maybe we can get a little more information. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, pages 464 and 465. As the siege of Jerusalem, that's in 70 A.D., by the Roman armies was the signal for flight to the Judean Christians, so the assumption of power on the part of our nation in the decree enforcing the papal Sabbath will be a warning to us. It will then be time to leave the large cities, preparatory to leaving the smaller ones for retired homes in secluded places among the mountains. And now, instead of seeking expensive dwellings here, we should be preparing to move to a better country, even a heavenly so it's saying that back in those days, in 70 A.D., it was an example when the armies are beginning to surround the city and all this is taking place, then God's people are to get out. Get out and go into the country. Where are they going to go? Well, it even says here that even some of the smaller communities we're going to have to get out of. Because I hear people say, well, Beaumont's a smaller community, so it's safe here. If you've got problems in L.A., it's going to come out here. So where are we going to go? Who did Ellen White tell the people to go out into the country to help raise their kids? You know what? They're going to help us as we go there. How are you going to feed them? How are you going to help them? Questions that we have to ask ourselves. So just as the army surrounded the big city of Jerusalem, it was a promised sign of the city its coming destruction to those first century Christians. Ellen White says a national Sunday law, a papal Sunday law, will be a promised sign for the Christians to get out of the cities. Now, there are two phases to our flight. At some point in time, this desolation that Daniel talks about is going to start. It's a national Sunday law that will be passed in the United States due to the influence of the Antichrist beast, the Roman papacy. The fear death decree has not been enforced as of yet, but we know it's coming. But when the law is passed, we're to flee immediately. No time to pack. No time to go to the grocery store and get provisions. No time to say goodbye to family and friends or to put in your two weeks notice to your job. We're to head for the hills. This also marks the beginning of this time of trouble. This dreaded thing that a lot of people are afraid of. At some point during the time of trouble laws, there's going to be laws are going to be passed making it impossible for God's people to buy or sell. 
That's why it's necessary for us to be relying on our own provisions. Because we won't be able to get it. For those living in a country, they will, they will need provisions to be able to help those who are fleeing from the cities. This is not a time to be selfish. But it's a time to help our fellow brothers and sisters who's going to need the help. So to fill in the timeline some more, let's go back to the book of Matthew. okay? And let's go Matthew 24, verses 29 and 30. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We often think that these events, the sun being darkened, the moon turning blood red, the falling of stars, that's already happened. Yes, it has. But it will happen again. This tells us that when it happens, it's going to be coming just right before Jesus comes. Here's what I mean. Revelation 6, verses 12 to 17. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fallen us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who's able to stand? So you see, the cosmic events are going to happen again just before Jesus comes. It's a part of this sixth seal. It's also called the seventh trumpet and the seven last plagues. All this is going to be happening right after the sixth seal and all these things are going to be happening all at once. The minor prophet Joel says this. Joel 3, verses 15 and 16. Now remember, Joel is talking about the end times. The sun and the moon will grow dark. The stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Along with these cosmic events is going to come the voice of God. Revelation 13, verse 15. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So there's that death decree that's going to take place. Right before Jesus comes, there will be a death decree for those who do not honor the mark of the beast, which is the day the beast chooses for the world to worship. So let's put it all in the timeline. The cosmic events are going to take place. Sometimes it's called the midnight deliverance. The death decree, the voice of God is going to come. The death decree is going to take place. It's the seventh plague, the seventh trumpet, the seventh seal. All these things are happening. Now let's turn to early writings, page 85. 
The commencement of that time of trouble here mentioned does not refer to the time when the plague shall begin to be poured out, but to a short period just before they are poured out while Christ is in the sanctuary. At that time, while the work of salvation is closing, trouble will be coming on the earth and the nations will be angry. Guess who they're angry at? Yet held in check so as not to prevent the work of the third angel. At that time, the latter rain or refreshing from the presence of the Lord will come to give power to the Lord, to, to the loud voice of the third angel and prepare the saints to stand in the period when the seven last plagues shall be poured out. So when the plagues begin, probation is closed. But before that time, in the time of trouble, there's a time period when the Holy Spirit is working on God's people and is working on putting out the third angel's message. Now, we'll be fleeing from the cities because the national Sunday law will come, but the death decree comes a little later on, just before Jesus comes. So we're going to be able to come back into the cities not to live, but to preach. Revelation 22 and verse 11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Probation is closed. The latter rain will be falling on God's people who will be working to seal the lost by sharing biblical truth. The third angel's message. At some point in time, Jesus stands up and declares the judgment is finished. The Holy Spirit is withdrawn. Probation is closed. The seven last plagues begin to fall on the wicked. And they're getting angry by the moment. And they're going to take it out on God's people. The lost become very, very angry. That's when a worldwide death decree will be passed against those who do not worship the beast. When the death decree is issued, notice what all of God's people are supposed to do. Prophets and Kings, page 605. The decree that will finally go forth against the remnant people of God will be very similar to the issued by Ahasuerus against the Jews. If you look at the decree in the book of Esther, there are a couple of significant points. First of all, the decree did not go into effect the day that it was issued. There was a date set in the future when the decree would go into effect. The same will be true as the death decree is issued against God's people. Even though the government-made decree is there, and it's a, it will be a specified date, it won't necessarily be the government that's going to come out and attack you. Everybody's always worried about the government. Got to hide from the government. The government is going to say, the laws now in the world that says that you can't kill, we're going to bypass that and you as citizens at a certain date can go out and kill these people. Everybody's worried about black helicopters and, and the army and everything else. It's the citizens, the lost people of the world that are the ones that are going to go out and try to kill God's people. 
Great controversy, page 626. Has the decree issued by the various rulers of Christendom against commandment keepers shall withdraw the protection of government and abandon them to those who desire their destruction? The people of God will flee from the cities and villages and associate together in companies dwelling in the most desolate and solitary places. Many will find refuge in the strongholds of the mountains. When it comes to this point, even those who are living in the country are going to have to leave their country homes. And those of us that have escaped and are staying with us, we're going to have to leave. Where are we going to go? God has a place ready to be able to take you. When it gets to that point, God is in total control. He's got a place. If He has to have an angel lead you, the angel's going to lead you to that place. If it's a cave, He knows where the cave is. The rest of the world won't know where it is. If you need to eat, we're going to have to flee so fast, at that point, we can't take any provisions. We're either going to have the ravens bring us food, or manna's going to come down out of heaven to feed us. So when we get to that point, when the National Sunday Law is made into a death decree, God's the one that's going to handle the situation. You gotta have your faith in Him. Because you can't rely on anything else. What else do you have? If you don't have a home anymore and you can't bring any food, what do you got left? Nothing. Except your faith. The question is if we all have to flee in the wilderness. Then what am I to do? You just to go. It's the will of God to go. To leave. To abandon everything. Isaiah 33, verse 16. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. That's when... Some people think, well, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to supply any provisions when that first Sunday law comes, that national Sunday law in the United States, even though it isn't a death decree. I don't have to worry. God's going to supply my needs. Oh, no, no, no. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that that's going to come until the death decree comes. Then God will be in control. Then he will supply you needs. But we've got to make some provisions before then. Early Writings, page 56. Houses and lands will be of no use to the saints in the time of trouble, for they will then have to flee before infuriated mobs. And at that time, their possessions cannot be disposed of to advance the cause of present truth. When we flee, we will have to let go of everything. That also includes the conveniences that we now enjoy. You can't take your big screen TV with you on your back. You won't have the refrigerator that drops ice down into your glass and water. You won't have anything. No electric blankets. You may not even have a blanket. 
some of us are going to be Lot, Lot's wife. And we're going to flee. God is leading us. But we long for those conveniences that we left behind and we turn around and we look. And we say, boy, I wish I had that again. We can't do that. If we do that, you're right, we're dead. Do you realize what we're going to have to give up? Everything. Can you give up everything for the Lord Jesus? We say yes very quickly because we still have conveniences. Will we be able to say that back in those days? There are many other areas we could fill in in our timeline, but my concern is looking at preparing for that time of trouble. And so what we're going to be doing is next week, we're really going to get down the nitty gritty. Next week, if you don't heed to what we're going to look at, it's not going to make any difference what we say about the timeline or the time of trouble or anything else. So we're really going to get down to some real deep stuff. Preparing for what's about to come upon us. We know it's coming. But we just can't sit back in our lazy boy chairs anymore and say, well, I don't have to do anything. Lord Jesus is going to do everything. To a point later on, that's true. But for right now, what are we going to do? I have copies of this, by the way, if you want to take it home to look at and to, to study. It's not anything that I came up with. But it's going to kind of help us. Maybe kind of understand what's happening, what's going to happen. We're going to start looking at all these things come next week. But for now, we're going to close our worship service by turning in our hymnals to hymn number 600. We need to hold fast till Jesus comes. Hymn number 600. Oh, oh, oh. 